students, it's so good to see you tonight. Uh, from wherever you're watching, uh, I hope that uh, you'll prepare yourself to listen uh, to the word that God has for you tonight. Uh, I truly believe the series that we're in the middle of right now, a series called Finding Faith, is truly something that God uh, has placed here before us. You know, back in May, I, I, I shared with this, this with you last week, the back in the beginning of May is when I felt like God was uh, prompting us to, to dive into this series in the month of June. And little did I know that the, the phrase, the catchphrase of this series, finding faith in the midst of chaos, would be so true for what we are facing right now as individuals and as a world. You know, with everything that we have going on, uh, with all the tension and the, the pandemic, you know, it's so uh, pressing, it's so necessary for us right now as Christians to hold on to our faith, to cling to our faith, and let that be the source of our strength. Uh, tonight, we're going to continue this series. Last week, we talked about uh, mountaintop faith, and we talked about the faith of Abraham. And we looked at a couple different ways that, first of all, Abraham didn't have faith, and then we looked at one big way Abraham really lived out his faith. And we talked about uh, three main things. Our need, first of all, our need to have faith in miracles. We talked about how God keeps his promises when we have faith in miracles. If we will have faith that God will work a miracle in our life, and if we will have faith that God will work and pour out his blessings in our life, God will be faithful to keep his promises. We also talked about uh, the importance of asking God to have his will in our life versus having our way in our life. We talked about how we can't expect the promises of God in our life if we're not willing to do what God wants. If we're only willing to go by our own plan and only do what we want to do, we can't expect to see the blessings of God in our life. The blessings of God come into our life, and we see those blessings when we are following faithfully after God. And we wrapped it up by looking at how Abraham was willing to sacrifice all of his desires, all of the promises that God had given him. You know, God had promised Abraham a son named Isaac, and Isaac was, frankly, a miracle in the life of Abraham and Sarah. And Abraham was willing to take Isaac to the top of the mountain and sacrifice his son for the Lord because that's what the Lord had asked him to do. And right before Abraham was about to sacrifice Isaac, the Lord cried out to Abraham and said, Stop, I see that you are willing to have faith and that you will follow me faithfully. And because of that, God established and confirmed his covenant with Abraham. And so we saw that we have to be willing to sacrifice our own plans, our own desires, if we want to truly have the promises of God in our life. You know, this week we're going to keep looking uh, at the Old Testament. Uh, and tonight we're going to go a little earlier in the book of Genesis, uh, chapter 6, 7, and 9 in the book of Genesis. And we're going to look at a guy named Noah. Uh, Noah had what I'm calling ridiculous faith. And tonight we're going to learn about what does it mean for us to have ridiculous faith. And what do we learn from the ridiculous faith of Noah and what do we learn about God through having ridiculous faith? So first, I want us to look in our Bibles at Genesis chapter 6. And we're going to be starting in verse 9, reading through verse 21. If you have your 
your journal, I would encourage you to take notes. If you have your Bible out, I would encourage you to read along with me as we look at Genesis chapter 6, verses 9 through 21. Here we go. This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, the only blameless person living on earth at the time. And he walked in close fellowship with God. Noah was the father of three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now God saw the earth had become corrupt and was filled with violence. God observed all this corruption in the world, for everyone on earth was corrupt. So God said to Noah, I have decided to destroy all living creatures, for they have filled the earth with violence. Yes, I will wipe them all out along with the earth. Build a large boat from cypress wood and waterproof it with tar inside and out. Then construct decks and stalls throughout its interior. Make the boat 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, and 45 feet high. Leave an 18-inch opening below the roof all the way around the boat. Put the door on the side and build three decks inside the boat, lower, middle, and upper. Look, I am about to cover the earth with a flood that will destroy every living thing that breathes. Everything on earth will die, but I will confirm my covenant with you. So enter the boat, you and your wife and your sons and their wives. Bring a pair of every kind of animal, a male and a female, into the boat with you and keep them alive during the flood. Pairs of every kind of bird and every kind of animal and every kind of small animal that scurries along the ground will come to you to be kept alive. And be sure to take on board enough food for your family and for all of the animals. Now, right here in in Genesis chapter 6, we see that the world has just been completely overrun with chaos. It's been completely overrun with violence. And frankly, it's just become completely overrun with sin. And God has had enough. And this is, to me, it's, it's very quick that the world has gotten to this place. We're five, six chapters in to the entire Bible, and God's already saying, y'all are way out of control. Chaos is all over throughout the earth, and y'all are just acting like fools. And so God goes to Noah and says, look, you're the only one that is seeking to follow me, so I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to confirm my covenant with you. And so God gives him instructions. And that's the first thing that I want us to look at tonight is through the story of Noah and through ridiculous faith, God gives clear instructions. God gave Noah a a very specific set of instructions. When we look at what God gave Noah, God is telling him exactly how long, how high, how wide, what type of wood to use, how to design it on the inside. God is giving Noah specific and clear instructions on what to do. And no matter how ridiculous Noah may think these instructions are, it doesn't change the fact that God gave him specific instructions. God commanded Noah to do something specific. Now, Noah, no doubt, thought this was completely ridiculous. It hadn't rained in a a very long time. Time. And so for Noah to tell me that, for God to tell Noah that he needs to go build a boat for this massive flood that's just going to completely flood the earth, I'm sure that seemed ridiculous. 
but it doesn't change the fact that God gave Noah specific instructions. And just like Noah, God has given us specific instructions on how to live. And I want you to look at this. It's in a smaller book in the New Testament, in the book of Titus, right before Hebrews. I want you to look at Titus 2, 11 through 15. Listen to these words. For the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. And we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. We should live in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God. While we look forward with hope to that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ will be revealed. He gave his life to free us from every kind of sin, to cleanse us, and to make us his very own people, totally committed to doing good deeds. You must teach these things and encourage other believers to do them. So God has given us very specific, very clear instructions on how to live. God has said, in this world, in this sinful world, You as believers, you as Christians, you are to live with wisdom. You are to live with righteousness. You are to live in right standing with God. And you are to turn away from sin. You are to live blamelessly apart from sin. That is the instructions that God has given you and God has given me. And now we may think this is completely ridiculous. We may think that to have these instructions given to us, In the world that we live in, we may think it's completely ridiculous. We may ask, how do you expect me to turn away from my sin in this world? How do you expect me to live apart from sin? You mean you want me in a world, in this world that idolizes sin, you want me to turn my back to sin and live for you, God? Really? That's what you want me to do? Okay. You want me to sacrifice my popularity? You want me to be made fun of? Because, God, that's what it's going to take for me to follow you and be obedient to your instructions. God, you mean when the majority of society says it's acceptable and right to do something, you want me to take a stand for the word of God because the word of God says something different? You mean when society says something is acceptable and you say it's not, that I should side with you, God? Versus society? You know, I think when we ask ourselves these questions, maybe it puts it in perspective how ridiculous asking these questions is. That it shouldn't be ridiculous to have this type of faith. It shouldn't be ridiculous to have faith in God. It shouldn't be. It should be normal for us. There shouldn't be a thing such as ridiculous faith. It should just be normal faith. But because we live in a society that pushes sin, because we live in a world that is distant from God, that has turned its back to God, because we live in a world and a society that says things are acceptable when God has said they're not, then yeah, we have to have ridiculous faith. And I know that things have not changed from the time of Noah to our time right now. Some things just never change. I want to give you an example uh, of a time that I thought God was giving me a set of ridiculous instructions. 
Back in my senior year of high school, when God called me to go into youth ministry, I thought he was ridiculous. I thought it was crazy. And I've shared with this with y'all before. I thought it was completely crazy that God would call me in to ministry. And frankly, I went to my youth pastor and said, hey, Pete, I feel like God's telling me this, but it just seems ridiculous. And Peter told me in that moment that I needed to just have faith that if that's what God was calling me to do, he was going to keep his word and provide for me. And that if even though it may seem ridiculous to me, it made sense to God. And God had a plan that I couldn't see yet. Some things just don't change. Yeah, did Noah think the instructions God gave him were ridiculous and crazy? Probably. It hadn't rained in a long time. Did he probably question why he needed to build a boat in, a, in the middle of a drought? Yeah, probably. But he did it anyways. Even though he thought it was ridiculous, he did it anyways. Did people think Noah was ridiculous for building the boat? Absolutely they did. People made fun of Noah left and right for building this boat in the middle of a drought. And the same is true for you and it's true for me. Sometimes the instructions God gives us, we think they're ridiculous. But God is just asking us to have faith that even though we think it's crazy, to him it's not. Because he knows what he's preparing us for. See, even though Noah thought it was ridiculous, God was preparing him for the flood. It wasn't ridiculous in the end. But here's the thing is, for you to have faith, for you to turn your back to society, for you to take a stand for God, people are going to call you ridiculous. People are going to call you crazy. I want to ask you this. What is worth it more? Living for the approval of man or living for the approval of God? Because there's a lot of people in the time of Noah who weren't living for the approval of God. And it didn't end well for them. It didn't end well for them at all. But you had one family living for the approval of God and God saved them. God prepared them for what was coming. They received the blessings of God. And so me... I want to take a stand with God. I want to live for the approval of God. But that's a question that we have to ask ourselves. Are we willing to have ridiculous faith? Are we willing to obey the specific instructions that God has given us? Because that's what Noah was willing to do. But Noah did. He had something that we don't oftentimes have. I want us to look at Genesis chapter 6 again. And we're going to continue after verse 21. We're just going to look at one verse, Genesis 6, 22. Here's what it says. So Noah did everything exactly as God had commanded him. Noah did everything exactly how God commanded him to. You see, Noah had something we don't have that we struggle to have, Noah had ridiculous faith. Even though it seemed ridiculous, Noah said yes. But it didn't just stop with Noah saying yes. It didn't just stop with Noah saying, okay, I hear your instructions. I acknowledge your instructions. I like the idea of building this boat so me and my family can be saved. I like that. 
I like your promise, God. No, it didn't stop there. Scripture says that Noah did exactly what God had commanded him to do. And with this, there's two things that I really think that we have a hard time with. The first thing is, I think we just struggle to say yes. I think we have a hard time saying yes. When I was reading this, I I thought of another Old Testament prophet, the prophet Jonah. And many of you may be familiar with the story of Jonah. But Jonah is a classic example of someone who loved God but said no. When God gave Jonah a specific set of instructions, Jonah said, that's funny, no. And what do we see with Jonah? That not only did he say no, he ran in the opposite direction of where God wanted him to go. And what ends up happening is Jonah's on this boat and God is mad at Jonah and and he gets tossed over into the sea and swallowed up by a fish and spit back out onto dry land. And he has a moment with God and he says, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I went through all this trouble just because I said no. And too many times we are Jonah. Too many times we are Jonah. Too many times we don't say yes. We say no to God. And then we wonder why we're going through hardships. We wonder why we're caught in the middle of storms. Why it feels like life is swallowing us up. Sometimes we're like Jonah. We say no to God. And when we say no to God, we're saying no to the promises of God. A lot of times we say no to God because we think it's ridiculous what he's asked us to do. Jonah thought it was ridiculous for God to send him to Nineveh to go share the gospel with people he thought hated him. Jonah thought it was ridiculous. But God had another plan in store. God wanted to save those people through Jonah. But sometimes we're like Jonah and we say no because we think what God is proposing to us seems completely ridiculous. But we don't understand the blessings that God is trying to give us if only we'd say yes. And sometimes we just think it's ridiculous what he's asking us. But sometimes we just say no because we don't want to do it. We just don't care. We don't want to follow his instructions. We don't want his will instead of our way. Sometimes we like to be in our own world. We like to make our own decisions. We don't want to be told what to do. But again, if we're going to choose our way and just say no to God because we don't want to deal with him or we don't want to go through the effort to follow his instructions, then we can't be surprised when it feels like life is swallowing us up. We can't be surprised when hardships happen because God has provided us a path to blessings, to promises. And all you have to do is say yes. The second thing I think we struggle with here is even when we like the idea of what God has promised, we don't follow his instructions exactly as he's commanded us to do. See, Noah, with Noah, he he said yes to God. He liked the idea of what God was promising him. And he followed the instructions exactly. You know, a lot of times I think we like the idea, the promises that God wants to give us. I think we like that idea. You know, for me, 
as I began to see God unfolding his promises in my life to step into ministry, I liked the idea of that. I, I liked the idea of having a purpose and a calling. But I had to do exactly what God wanted me to do in order to get into youth ministry. I had to work under people. I had to gain experience. I had to learn. I had to be patient. Sometimes we like the promises God has for us, but we don't want to do things God's way. We still want to do things our way. We think that we can do things quicker, more efficiently, and still get the same results. Because we're impatient. We like things done quickly, but God wants us to be patient for his promises. We cannot do things our way and expect the same results. Now, when I was growing up as a kid, uh, I had bunk beds. Uh, And under the bottom bunk, there was plenty of room. You know, I used to crawl up under the bed sometimes. But when I got older, what I really loved to do with the space up underneath my bed was shove all my crap up underneath it. I loved to shove all my dirty clothes, all of my shoes, dirty laundry. I loved to shove all of that mess up underneath my bed. And a lot of times my mom would come to me and say, Nathan, you need to go clean your room. If you clean your room, uh, I give you your allowance, right? Cleaning my room was one of my chores. And so a lot of times I wanted my allowance. I wanted the the blessing that was going to come out of cleaning my room and doing what I was supposed to do and following the instructions. But I thought I could do it more efficiently. I thought I could do it quicker by just shoving everything under my bed. And so a lot of times, I would shove everything under my bed, and I'd go tell my mom, I cleaned my room. And she'd come in there, and she would look, and she'd say, yeah, it looks pretty good. And then she'd look up under the bed and go, you didn't do what I asked you to do. I asked you to clean your room. And I'd say, oh, I did. Can't you see? The room's clean. You can see the floor. She'd go, no, that's not what I asked you to do. You didn't do it how I asked you to do it. And so I wouldn't receive the blessing that was waiting for me on the other side if only I would have taken the time to do things the way I was instructed to do it. And a lot of times, again, that's how we are with God. Is God has instructed us on what to do. God has is, God is instructed us on how to live. And we think we can just do things better our way and get to the same result. We think we can get the promises of God by doing things our way. But again, I don't think we can be surprised when we choose our way and don't receive the promises and blessings of God. You can't go a different way and get the same results. So I think we really need to be challenged to be like Noah and have ridiculous faith to to say, even though I think it's crazy what you're asking me to do, God, Even though I think it's crazy for you to ask me to take a stand in a world that doesn't love you, that is contradicting your word, even though it's ridiculous, and people are going to call me ridiculous, despite all of that, I'm going to choose to stand next to you, and I'm going to choose to live exactly how you've called me to live. See, Noah had that ridiculous faith, and Noah understood that God would provide he trusted that at, at the core of everything, God wanted to bless him. And God wasn't going to leave him hanging dry. 
Now, why did Noah have this ridiculous faith? Why did Noah have so much trust in God to bless him? Why was Noah willing to have ridiculous faith for God and endure people mocking him and making fun of him? Why was Noah willing to endure that? And here's why. Because God always fulfills his promises. I want you to flip in your Bible to Genesis chapter 9. If your Bible has subsection titles like mine does, the the title for chapter 9 says, God Confirms His Covenant. And as we look at chapter 9, we see that God keeps His promises with Noah. Noah has built the ark. Noah's built the ark. His family and all the animals have gotten on it. And they've gone uh, over 100 days on this boat, waiting for the floodwaters to recede. And finally, at the end of it, God confirms his covenant with Noah. I want you to look at uh, Genesis 9, verse 1. Here's what it says. It says, then God blessed Noah and his sons and told them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth. I want you to skip down to verse 9 and listen. Here's what it says. God says, I hereby confirm my covenant with you and your descendants. See, God blesses and God confirms his covenant with Noah because Noah had ridiculous faith. Noah had ridiculous faith in God, and he did exactly what God had instructed him to do. And because of that, God fulfilled his promises. You know, throughout the Bible, we see that God makes covenants with his people. We talked about last week the covenant God made with Abraham. And a covenant, again, is a promise that God makes with us, a promise that cannot be broken, a promise that God is faithful to fulfill. You know, throughout the Bible, we here with Noah, we see the Noahic covenant, where God makes a covenant with Noah and says, because of your faithfulness, I know people are going to sin again, but because of your faithfulness, I promise not to ever destroy the earth again by a flood by natural disaster. And he gave us a rainbow, something you still see today. This Noahic covenant that was made thousands of years ago, at the beginning of time, this covenant God made with Noah is still in effect today, and we see that. We see God's faithfulness through the rainbow, a sign of his promise never to flood the earth again. We also see with Abraham, the Abrahamic covenant, where because of Abraham's faithfulness, God promised to bless the nation of Israel. God promised to make Abraham's descendants as numerous as the stars. God promises to bless his people. We also see later in the book of Exodus and Deuteronomy with Moses, God makes the Mosaic covenant where God promises to uphold Israel as long as they follow the Lord's instructions and standards that he's given them. God tells the nation of Israel, look, if you'll just follow my instructions exactly as I've given them to you, I'll bless you. I'll uh, fulfill my promises. Then the last one that we see in the Old Testament is the covenant God made with David, the Davidic covenant, where God promises David and says, because of your faithfulness, David, to me, my son, The king of kings will come through your kingship, will come through your family. The king of kings will come through your family. 
but probably the most important covenant that God has made with his people is the one that he currently has with us. It's the new covenant. And we see that in the book of Luke. And we see that God promises us salvation. God promises us security and salvation because of our relationship with Jesus. God says, if you'll have faith, if you'll follow my instructions exactly as I've given them to you, if you'll just have a relationship with me, your salvation will be secure. And what we see through all of these covenants is God always fulfills his promises. And Noah received the blessings of God not because of anything that he did. Noah received the blessings of God not because he did things his way. Noah received the promises of God because he did exactly what God had asked him to do. Noah received the blessings of God because God was faithful to fulfill his promises. And Noah received the blessings of God because he had ridiculous faith. And God wants you to experience his blessings. But here's the question. Are you willing to have ridiculous faith? Are you willing to have ridiculous faith? Are you willing to follow Christ even though people are going to make fun of you? Are you willing to follow Christ even though the world is going to turn its back to you and call you ridiculous in return? Are you willing to follow Christ even though it requires you going against popular culture? Because taking a stand for Christ is going to require you to sacrifice popularity. Jesus sacrificed popularity for you. Are you willing to do it for him? See, Noah was willing to, and because Noah was willing to, he received the blessings of God. And God wants to bless you. God wants you to experience his blessings. If you hear nothing else tonight or out of the rest of this series, I want you to hear and know that God wants to bless you. God doesn't want you to live your life without experiencing his blessings. But God also tells us if we want to experience his blessings, we have to have faith. And tonight we have found out that not only do we have to have faith, but we have to have ridiculous faith. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I, I thank you for this evening. Lord, just the opportunity to gather together, Lord, and, and to experience your word and your truth. Lord, we thank you for the example that Noah has set for us on what it means to have ridiculous faith. For giving us a, an example of what it looks like to follow the instructions you have given us exactly as you have commanded. Lord, even though you're not asking us to build a boat, what you've asked us may seem ridiculous. Lord, asking us to live in a sinful world, to take a stand for you, and to go against popular culture, for a lot of us that seems completely ridiculous. But Lord, I pray that you would give us the strength to take a stand, to 
to have this ridiculous faith like Noah. To where even when we think it's ridiculous or even when people call us ridiculous, Lord, I pray that you would give us the strength to have faith to follow after you and to live how you have instructed us to live. So, Lord, give us the strength to have faith, to have ridiculous faith. Lord, I pray for all of these students tonight, Lord, that they would just come to know and experience your love for them. Lord, I pray that because of their faith, Lord, you would bless them and they would experience your blessings in their life. And so, Lord, tonight as we transition into small groups, Lord, I pray that you would help us transfer your word from our minds to our hearts and out into our lives, Lord, that we would become a people of faith, that we would become disciples of faith. So, Lord, bless our time tonight in groups, Lord. Help us uh, to engage with your word to experience your spirit, or to dive deeper in relationship with you. Lord, we just ask that you would come, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. Hey, everyone. This is Nathan Sell, the youth pastor at Destin United Methodist Church. I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. My prayer is that the Lord would use this podcast as an opportunity to speak life into you. I hope all of you know the love that the Lord has for you and that you are experiencing His blessings each and every day. God bless you and thank you for listening.